On this episode of the Camp Owners Podcast, Howie and I sit down with Max Clayman to talk about attracting first-gen families. And we're talking about families that have never, ever experienced camp. So if we're getting camp owners to think about the language we use when describing camp, what are they looking for? What aren't they looking for? What matters to them? What do they want to know before they sign up? And what are the things that we can do like being more accessible via live chat that would really attract those families to our camp. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode and get a lot of great takeaways in thinking about attracting those families to your camp. This is the Camp Owners Podcast from Go Camp Pro, exploring issues and best practices that professionals in the private camp industry face every day. You can find our show notes at gocamp.pro slash owners pod. Great scheduling is the backbone of every camper's experience, but when there's a staffing change, it's almost impossible to fill that role with someone who knows all the nuances that scheduling takes. So come check Camptivities out, specifically designed for camps by camp people. Find out more at camptivities.com. This Go Camp Pro podcast is brought to you by Camp Brain. Camp Brain blends easy-to-use registration and management software with thoughtful customer service. They take pride in building long-lasting relationships through their amazing support and love they show to each client. Camp Brain is not only focused on your needs for summer 2022, but for your next 25 summers. For more information, visit them at campbrain.com slash owners pod. Welcome to the Camp Owners Podcast, a space for camp owners to talk about the unique aspects of camp ownership and get inspired by each other. We are going to sit down with camp industry experts, leaders, and fellow camp owners to hear how the camp dream transpired for them, learn from each other, and discuss and discuss some of the biggest issues in the private camp industry. Hi, everybody. My name is Howie Grossinger. I am the co-owner and director of Camp Robin Hood, a day camp in Toronto, as well as a co-owner of Camp Walden, an overnight camp in Ontario as well. Hello, everyone. I am Kelly Shuna, co-owner and executive director of Hidden Pines Ranch Day Camp, located in Stillwater, Minnesota. And I hear very much that my accent is very Minnesotan, Howie. So especially <laughs> when I say that word, I really, I really got to put the Minnesota in it. Um, anyway, if you're interested in subscribing to the show because you'd love to hear my Minnesota accent and Howie's Canadian um, insight, you can always subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app or you can go online to gocamp.pro slash owners pod. Finally, if you're listening to this and think it would be useful or interesting to other camp owners or aspiring camp owners in your circle, please feel free to send them a note to listen. Yeah, we can almost have like a count, like how many times does Howie say A in a podcast? Like that would be so Canadian <laughs> and our American friends would be like, hey, that's kind of cool. He does say that. Um, anyhow, A, um, we want to do some business. We want to thank our sponsors. We have great sponsors on the Camp Owners Podcast and we definitely want to give our first shout out to Camptivities. If you're interested in a better solution for scheduling camp activities, check out Camp uh, Camptivities. As you click the link when you visit Camptivities, you're already thinking when you do it, this will never work for my camp. But you begin to explore and you figure out that it does group scheduling and camper scheduling and batch scheduling. Check out Camptivities and I'm confident you'll determine that it might actually work for you. And most importantly, save your team a ton of time. I am a proud Camptivities user. Uh, their team is amazing. Please, please give them a look. Check in with Ryan at Camptivities and he can tell you all about it. The team at Camptivities would love to show you the next big thing in camp. 
visit camptivities.com to set up a time to chat. Kelly, I'm really excited about um, this show today, not only because I think it's a topic as camp owners that I think we haven't labeled in the way that our guest is about to label it and talk about it, but also because I think we're making a brand new friend in the camp industry here, and it's always nice to meet new people, and uh, and that's one of the best parts about doing this show with you. Um, it is my pleasure to uh, introduce Max Clayman to everyone. Uh, Max is a veteran camp pro, uh, not only in the operation of camp, but has now created his own consulting business where he's an author and speaker and trainer and just generally making the rounds around uh, the country to meet camp people, share his thoughts, and we are really, really looking forward to his insight on the topic of first-generation families. So without further ado, Max, welcome to the show. Absolutely. No, I appreciate you guys uh, having me here, and I'm looking forward to you know talking about something that for a lot of people is something they've thought about a lot, but maybe haven't put a label on. So to have this kind of as its own little subtopic, I think will be a really cool opportunity to just share some some fun stuff. Amazing. Yes, uh, we, we, we know that'll be the case. Um, to get things started, though, Max, because um, many of our listeners may not have crossed paths with you in, the, in, in uh, over the course of uh, the last several years, uh, we always ask our guests to give us a little bit of their origin story. How did you start? How did you end up here on the Camp Owners Podcast, <laughs> and all yeah. the things and all the things in between? So I'm going to turn things over to you. We we look look forward to you sharing. Yeah, it's, no, I appreciate that. I think uh, it makes me sound like a superhero when you say my origin story. So I'm I'm already enjoying this. Um, yeah, for me, I, despite my somewhat boyish sounding voice, I have actually been working at camp in some form or fashion since 2008 um, and have been fortunate to work for some really great camps and learn a lot of best practices, but also experience things for myself and learn more from others and people who are certainly much smarter than I am and much more dedicated than I am uh, so that I could start to then see how certain practices that might work at one place don't work at another or how it could enhance something that someone else is already doing. And so what I've done, uh, particularly over these past four years, um, is really start to kind of collate that information and put it together and share it um, in digestible, fun ways uh, for people both in and outside of the camp industry. I've worked with organizations um, not camp related as well, education organizations. But I started my camp journey, so to speak, uh, at Camp Walt Whitman, which is a co-educational camp uh, in New Hampshire and residential program. I was there from on a seasonal basis from 2008 to 2013 um, and was fortunate enough after that to then assume a leadership role with an organization based in New York City uh, called Oasis Day Camps and had the chance to manage a family of day camps in New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts. Um, we also had some short-term programs in Pennsylvania, Connecticut. Um, and it was just a really cool opportunity to see a very different life uh, than the residential kind of higher-end camp that I had been used to, and really having a chance to work with a very wide spectrum uh, of families in the New York City area and its surrounding suburbs, uh, the overwhelming majority of which were new to camp and did not know from camp. And if you mentioned color war to them, they thought it was an art activity. And I think that that, you know, is something that, you, you know, we, we all get it, right? We're camp people. We could talk about this stuff all day, um, but it's really hard to have that conversation 
with someone who doesn't even speak the language. And I think that that was such a really unique learning experience for me. Um, and I was actually, I was part of that organization for seven years and started, you know, doing the speaking consulting training on the side while I was doing that, had the opportunity these past couple of years to do it um, on a full-time basis. And now also I'm really privileged to have the opportunity to be part of the full-time year-round directing team uh, with Point of Pines, which is a residential camp for girls um, in the Adirondacks. And I'm very excited about, you know, that opportunity as well. Had the chance this past summer to work uh, with Walt Whitman again as their director of operations. I really try and spend my summers at camp. Um, and I think that's a little bit different than a lot of the, you know, camp consultant speaker trainers as they're traveling place to place during the summer. I really try and lock in um, and, and just experience camp because at the end of the day, that's what I love the most. And it's where you really actually can learn the most about working with this generation of staff and this generation of camper. Uh, so that's kind of my journey to this point and, and also somewhat sets up this topic because I realize it's a, you know, it's a, it's an, it's a group that I have worked with in some form or fashion since 2013. Um, and I've really enjoyed kind of learning more about, you know, who these people are and where they come from. Cause it's such a, such a wide range. I can just hear now all these camps uh, pitting against each other to get you for the summer now that you've said you'd <laughs> like to go to one and stay. So um, I can see why. And I think that that really gives you that credibility also as a speaker and consultant because you you see the camp beginning to end and you're a part of that process. So great. Well, it was so interesting for me to hear your story, Max, and where you've been and what you've been a part of. And getting into this topic, first, I want to say I really like how how we talked about labeling it. Um, I think sometimes people are afraid to be so direct in saying, okay, I want to attract first-gen families or I want to attract this to my camp. I think sometimes they get a little sheepish about, sheepish about having a label on it. So I really like just how you're very Brene Brown, just clear and direct, like this is this is what I want to talk about. Um, so tell us a little bit first, what do you mean by first-gen families? How, how would you describe that to camp owners who are listening? Yeah, and it's an important qualifier because I think, you know, in common discourse and like the lexicon of our time, right, the first generation typically has something to do with ethnicity or immigration status, um, something to that effect. That's not what this is. So I want to make that very clear. It's It's kind of more of a like almost a tongue-in-cheek label to some extent. Um, I always like to put air quotes on it, which is very hard to do on a podcast. But if everyone's listening can kind of envision me, you know, curling my fingers like that, I think that that's really what, um, how I kind of use this term. And when I say first-generation family, I mean a family that has no familiarity or experience with camp in any capacity, right? So mom didn't go to camp, dad didn't go to camp, grandmother, cousins, aunts, uncles, the family, they don't know from camp. Um, and it's one of those things that as camp people, we have a lot of trouble not only relating to, but to some extent, even believing, right? We're like, well, how, what, how, how do you not know from camp? How do you not get it? Um, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, over two thirds of children in the United States don't go to camp. And that then perpetuates a never ending cycle because if they don't go to camp and they don't know from camp, then when they grow up, their kids will have, you know, the same kind of self-repeating cycle. And that's really, you know, who we're talking about are these families that don't get it and that are, that's not necessarily their fault either, right? It's not that they don't get it because they're not, they're just like, oh, camp. I, they, they don't even necessarily know to look for it. And it's some of that are, you know, cultural obstacles and roadblocks, um, but some of it is just a lack of 
institutional knowledge and understanding and having a sense of the value of camp, not just as an experience for a child, but as a lifelong experience that can provide such benefit to creating just better citizens of the world. And I think that that's, that's where we, that's who we're talking about is people who we can help educate and inform and to use your word, kind of attract, right. And bring in, uh, you know, new, fresh faces to camp and kids who all kids deserve camp. So let's try and expand the pool that we're dealing with and that we're marketing to. Well, it's like we we just had had a guest on who was talking about the summer learning at that happens at camp and as a camp professional you know all of the learning that happens in a variety of areas but I feel like camp has always had this impression just fun. So families are thinking oh it's just fun. Um but really especially right now that focus on learning is something you know to for those families who don't know much about camp like yes this is more than just fun like there is so much learning that happens here and that messaging and describing camp in that way um, is probably really important. Yeah, I would, uh, Yeah, I would also imagine too that not only for the three of us, but for everyone listening, we have stories of a first gen family that we turned on to our program or camp in general and know how the impact when the light bulb goes off, when a parent says, I can't believe my parents never sent me to this, you know, and, and I'm speaking of the parent who's now sending their own child. So I, I love this topic only because I think over the course of the pandemic, whether you're an overnight camp owner or a day camp owner, and, and I'd like to explore in a moment, Max, your thoughts about the, the difference between the um, propensity for first-gen families to jump into day camp sooner than overnight camp, et cetera. I'd like to explore that a little bit. Yeah. But just generally speaking, you know, the pandemic has provided an opportunity, and I know I can speak from personal experience, of how many families we had last summer, because we didn't operate in 2020, who would never have thought of camp, but isolation, at-home learning, these parents were saying, I got to send them somewhere. This thing called camp, I, I know I've heard of it, but let me send my kid. And now all of a sudden, boom, they become the lifers at our camps that we hope they become. So I, I think this is such a good topic. I, I, I thought maybe you could talk a little bit about overnight and day camp stuff related to first gen families for a moment, if, 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 if that's something you could speak to. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, again, my experience with Oasis, these were day camps and they were programs that filled a very important and specific need for the families involved because for a lot of first-gen families, their first thought is childcare, not necessarily camp. And they're not looking for an experience so much as they're looking for a service. And I think that is much more aligned with what day camp provides, which is obviously day camp is still camp and has all the great traditions and everything we talk about. Um, but for many of these first generation families who don't know from the tradition, they don't care about your traditions. They care about the fact that you're providing a quality service that is putting them, putting their child somewhere. It doesn't even necessarily matter where, just somewhere where they are taken care of because typically, you know, and it depends on obviously the, the demographic you're serving, you know, socioeconomically. Um, but for a lot of families, that childcare hurdle is the only one that they they care about. And the price hurdle obviously is a huge piece of it as well. Um, and so that was, you know, we were fortunate um, to, kind of, I was fortunate, I should say, to really have the chance to kind of witness a wide socioeconomic spectrum during my time in New York and, and seeing 
you know, how those different families equated, you know, price versus value. Um, I do think day camps are incredibly well positioned. I have a number of friends who are, are camp owners, directors of day camps that are opening second and third facilities right now uh, because they have so much spillover and because it's such a need. Um, and I think, you know, it, it goes back to something, Kelly, you were saying about, you know, in the summer learning, I think one of the big stigmas with camp that is that kind of summer learning loss almost that used to be, used to be talked about, you know, pedagogically when it came to, um, you know, children going away for the summer and not focusing on academics or having as much structure and all these things that they would come back to the school year and not necessarily be as prepared. Um, a, I don't necessarily think that that's the case. I actually think the, the, the research and the science would suggest that, um, you know, the, there's actually a lot to be gained from that disconnect a little bit and from the life experience that comes from a more recreational break. Um, but also we're now seeing the effects of a pandemic and almost what we could call like winter learning loss. They've been away from each other for so long that the things that they're losing aren't necessarily academic, but they're the social skills. They're the, you know, the 21st century skills, as we like to say, right? The, that resiliency, that open communication. Um, there, are, there are real big chunks of childhood right now that are hard and are so much harder than they've ever been, which I always find to be the greatest irony of all because we're more connected than we've ever been, right? For us to be on Zoom and on Snapchat and on Instagram and all these different things with one another, which people who are hearing me and know me are going to laugh because I don't have any <laughs> any of these things. Very un, unsophisticated. I'm a terrible millennial, um, but I I do I I think it's a really amazing opportunity for camps right now to be able to say all of these things that you feel like you're seeing in your child that they don't they're missing either because their school's remote or because they were remote and now are having trouble readjusting. Um, we have the solution. And I think residential camps, the same thing. It's just the difference for the commitment to, to a residential camp as a first generation family is a huge commitment because now I'm going, so it's actually why you're seeing a lot of short-term residential programs having a lot more success with first generation families. The, you know, the two week soccer camp or the one week band camp, those kind of specialty niche programs um, speak to those families in a, in a very different way because it's not as big of a commitment to pull the trigger on something like that than it is to say, all right, I'm sending my kid away for seven weeks or eight weeks or even four weeks um, is a big commitment to something that doesn't necessarily have a tangible outcome um, that they can say like, oh yeah, they're going to be a soccer player or they're going to be, you know, a great tennis player, or a band, you know, learn the clarinet, like nobody's business. I think that it's, <laughs> I, I realize it's like somewhat of a rambling answer to your question, but I hope that that kind of speaks a little bit to yeah. kind of that, that nature. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it actually sort of brings up to me, and, and again, you know, just the way that my brain and Kelly's brain works in these uh, episodes is that we just sort of bounce all over the place a little bit. <laughs> but uh, I think I think for me, um, this idea uh, of making the leap to overnight camp, especially for a first-gen family, I mean, I've seen it over the course of my career. That's a real leap for a family. And this is why I think in the last 20 yeah. years, in the for last sure. 20 years of the industry, we see a growing vol a volume of day camps that also own 
overnight camps, which of, of which I'm part of that tent, where you build trust with the day camp owners who you know are also involved in the overnight camp. And, and I think that phenomenon started however many years ago, but that tends to be a model for many day camp and overnight camp o- operators because our relationship with the parents is so intertwined with care and right. and trust and all the things that we talk about i thought i would just add it just dawned on me that that model for those of us in the industry who are involved in that model you know that that i think that speaks to families who are first gen families in a way that maybe it never did earlier in sort of the process of taking the leap to camp number one yeah. and number two um I think generally speaking, day camp operators, and I can speak from, you know, up until just recently, and I know Andy Pritikin, our friend from the day camp pod, embraces this a lot, but like, I'm not shared, I'm not shy to say that I provide daycare, but there was a time where day camp operators would say, no, 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 I'm not daycare. And I think that we are learning to embrace that more because we recognize that the families of the demographic that you describe you know, want that language in sort of the very early parts of a discussion. Yes, we yeah. do provide daycare, but we do so much more. And right. I, I just thought I would lend that lens or, or that perspective too. I, I'd be curious on yeah. some of your comments no, it's on that. A, I mean, it's a great, it's a great point, right? That pipeline model exists in so many different ways because it's not just, oh, I want to have, I have this day camp, I build this trust, and then I'm going to start this overnight camp. There are ways to do that. I I work with a number of organizations that they have a day camp and then they're like, all right, so then we get up to like 12, 13, 14 years old. I don't have the money to buy a new property or I don't have, so what am I going to do? All right, I'll start a travel program or I'm going to start a one week specialty camp that I can rent out this field on a college campus and run a soccer clinic or something, you know, and you have that network already established and you already have, and I mean, Andy, you know, quite the operation, obviously down at, at Liberty Lake. And he actually serves a very similar demographic and, and customer base than, than I was used to, or that I was used to, I should say, um, in the city. He's doing it in the Philly area. We were doing it up in the New York City area, but it's that, that it's like daycare plus is a totally valid pitch to make because it's to, to be able to come to somebody and say, you could go to daycare, but look at what you're getting for just a little bit more to come to us. So it's like, yes, we can provide that same level of supervision that you might get at a daycare for, you know, 300 bucks a week. But imagine just for this extra, you know, 150, whatever that looks like, all the extra things that you're going to get. And I think that's a huge, one of the hugest pieces actually that resonates with first generation families is the concept of price versus value. And I think that the, you know, price is kind of the, the tangible thing, the sticker price that gets put kind of right on there. That's what you pay. Value is something that you feel, that you perceive. And it is something that is intangible and is something that first-generation families, in my experience, really respond to well. And it sometimes is very much in the finance, so to speak, or the business side of things like they really respond well to perks, right? They really respond well to uh, discounts, to things like promotional events, um, a deadlines with a deal, as I like to call them, to be able to say, like, hey, if you sign up now before January 31st, you're going to get you know, 20 bucks off a week, whatever that looks like. And they, they respond to that kind of in a more of a modern consumerism way. 
Um, but the value behind it, you know, the little promotional things that we give away, the premium kind of things, the backpack, the t-shirts, um, any of the swag oh, yeah. is a huge, you know, it, it's a huge value add um, to be able to be part of something a little bit bigger than themselves, because it's, it's ultimately what is something that helps them pull the triggers. Not necessarily, they look at the price and they compare the price, but then they dig a little bit deeper and start to look at the value of these two yeah. things and, and really how they can connect with, you well, know, with the, the organization. It's, um, it, it's Jerry Maguire, right? You know, just get me in the room, right? It's just right. Br- bring the families to me. I'm offering a, a cookout lunch and spend two hours on the property and then let me, you know, not only feed you, but let me tell you about why this should be something to consider this summer for your child. It's much more than the bouncy castle that I bring, you know, for that event. And it's more than, you know, the archery range. It's all the, the other things that can, you know, add to your, your, your child's right. life. So I, I love, I love the thought of the swag, the things that, you know, send a, a message that those things do to get them to sort of open their eyes to this world. And, uh, no, I think that's great. I love that. And, uh, we've tried many ways yeah. to try to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, getting them in the door is a huge part of it, right? I think that that's, that's the number one thing I always tell people to try and do is increase the number of ways that people can engage with you, right? As a camp, figure out, you know, there's so many camps who I urge them to take advantage of having a live chat on their website that I, we have had, you know, I, I've had experiences where families will sign up sight unseen for camp just by chatting in a live chat on a website or just by having a scheduled office hour phone call where they can talk to somebody and know that they're going to get a full conversation or attending an open house um, with more frequency. I think we always have these kind of rigid, like, oh, I'm going to do one open house every three weeks or one open house once a month or twice a month, whatever your kind of structure is. There are, there are great opportunities, especially if you are based at your site, at your camp location, um, to make use of that facility for some really creative ways during, you know, to have a spring festival that, you know, invite your camp families, but have them bring a friend or have, you know, make it open to the community that, that the, some of the neighborhoods that you're serving um, to really just expand the ways that people can interact with you in person and just witness what you, what you do and, and what you bring to the table, because I think that's a huge way of getting them in the door for sure. Okay. I love to hear from you, Max, you know, about these first generation families, what they aren't interested in in for summer camp and what they are interested in for summer camp. But I also want to clarify again, you, you know, kind of what you're sharing with us, again, this isn't anything based on demographics, language spoken. It's just, this is across the board, what you are seeing. And you may have to change some of that, you know, how you describe or verbiage or based on, you know, the language that they're speaking, but you're just saying across everything, this is generally what you're seeing as wanting and not wanting or what's attracting and not attracting families to camp for the first time. Right. And that's actually a great point. It's really important to note for everybody listening and just for anyone who's looking to kind of tap into first generation families as a concept, we are talking about a very broad range of people. We are talking about people who have incredible means at their disposal and people who may have none. Um, that's for, When we say first-generation family, we're really just looking at this large pool of, for lack of a better term, prospective customers, right? We're looking at this really kind of from a marketing 
business operations somewhat standpoint. And this pool of people, the only thing fundamentally speaking that they have in common is that they don't know about camp. And then everything that we're talking about here right now today, and that I've, you know, been talking about, you know, off and on with other people for, you know, different camps I've worked with over the years. These are the things I've seen, right? These are the things I've experienced um, working with that wide range of demographic and some of the commonality and the different traits, um, you know, using price and versus value as an example, right? That's one that really jumped out to me is, wow, value matters just as much as price to to these first generation families. And is that going to be exclusive, like always the case? No, of course not. I think each family is going to have some nuance within, right? But that was, you know, as a as a general observation, the 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 perspective of value having as much weight often, if not more so, than the price itself was a, a really interesting consideration when dealing with first generation families that I would not necessarily have considered previously. When um, I know that in this last part of our discussion, you know, we, we gave some good day camp examples, et cetera. Maybe we could just focus from your experience working with overnight camp owners. You know, sure. the, you know, we talked a little bit about the you know, the leap probably for some families starts with their youngest, the kids when they're young for day camp. Mm -hmm. But whether they have means or don't have means, you know, and they just say, hey, there's this thing called overnight camp. I don't know anything about it. You know, I, the, the, my friend in the carpool line is talking about sending their child, but they really haven't explained it well to me. Maybe you could just, let's focus for a few minutes maybe on overnight camp, first gen yeah. families, you know, the things we're doing. Because we know that many of our overnight camps, I mean, we're attracting kids from all over. I mean, yeah. opening your door in your site in Wisconsin or Northern Ontario, like people can't get there to see it. So I'm, I, I'd love to get some thoughts for our friends listening on the overnight camp side about things they should be thinking about. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it's a definitely a much higher bar to, to leap over, I think. And the barrier to entry is, is strong. I think again, when you don't have kind of the community attachment that a, that a day program would have, the biggest things that I've seen that first generation families respond to is that they are really looking more at a camp's ethos over its establishment. Right. And I think that that's a huge piece of kind of, I think, just their consumer identity in general is that they're really looking at a community and joining a community. So they want to really feel aligned with the values and the mission and, you know, the, the, the big picture stuff over the established brand. Right. To be able to, like, they don't necessarily, again, they don't know from camp. So, so to be able to say, you know, like, I've worked at, this camp versus I've worked at that camp, like they don't care because it means nothing to them. You could be, you could make up words. I, I work at, you know, Camp Wakanda and be talking about, you know, Black Panther when there actually is a Camp Wakanda that exists. Right? So it's like, they don't know. So they, they are, I forget, I'm going to blank on who said this to me, but it's one of my favorite terms. I use it all the time. These families are unconsciously incompetent right? They don't even know what they don't know. And that's not to, that's not a negative in their case, right? I'm just saying in this moment, this is something they don't even know what the questions are to ask. So another really critical piece, I, residential camps and day camps, but really for residential camps, is you have to really get back to basics. Things that we as camp professionals take for granted are of critical importance. Things like safety, and camper ratios 
at like bait, like the, the most granular basic things. I remember just using an example. I realized it's a day camp example, but you know, why I ran a uh, day camp in New York city in central park, 400 plus kids a day. <laughs> and it's the number one tourist attraction in the world. And we ran a camp there. So you can only imagine. Um, and we would take, you know, these 400 kids and we would cross them across central park West, which is in most places, most parts of the world, a highway. <laughs> we're taking these kids, we're crossing them. And we have a very, you know, smart, intelligent, and mindful way that we do it. But you better believe that when I was dealing with these families at an open house and I had 40 people in a room who didn't know from camp, they didn't want to hear about the amazing, you know, special event and Olympics that we were doing or our Try Stuff Thursdays where we were going to bring in different new activities for the kids. They didn't need that. They wanted to literally know step by step, how am I crossing the street? What does swim look like? Are the kids just swimming? Is there someone watching them? Those are questions you will actually get. Are there lifeguards? Of course, right? They don't know, like all the things that we take for granted, even in something as simple as like the ACA accreditation manuals, right? And all these things, these are the critical pieces for them that they need to feel comfortable. And as you were saying earlier, build that trust and develop that trust. Yeah. Where do they poop? Where's the washroom? <laughs> right. You know, like that, that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, Absolutely. Um, we have, you know, daily transportation on the day camp side. Like, how long's the ride? Maybe is my is my five-year-old too young to be on the bus for 35, 40 minutes? You know, <laughs> right. you know, that you know, look, I can't imagine. Oh, the bus goes on the highway? Really? You know, that yeah. kind of stuff. So I can totally relate to that. And and this sort of brings up, you know, because I'm fascinated. I love the marketing side and the strategies we can use yeah. to market this. You know, I have done my fair share of checking out so many wonderful websites for both day camp and overnight camps. And maybe we could talk for a moment with, you know, with some things that maybe operators should be thinking about maybe to enhance their website. If that's the first thing a parent sees, you know, because, you know, your, your thoughts about, hey, there's a. There's a menu item called first time families on your website, you know, that kind of stuff. Given what you're talking about to lots of people on the topic, maybe we can address some of those things, your social media presence, your, your website, you know, I I know the marketing stuff and I know Kelly and I always talk about the marketing stuff. So it'd be cool to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's one of those things that you have to again, it starts for me, I I mentioned this already earlier, but you have to really start with expanding your engagement and understanding that there are people, especially these first generation families, the things that they're looking for are not the things on your website, almost certainly, right? The things we're talking about, you're not necessarily listing your staff ratios or where, you know, your facilities and equipment are coming from or anything like that, right? These are not the things that you're putting necessarily right up on the website. So to your point, having something like a page dedicated, that's almost a camp glossary or a, you know, important terms to know that stuff can be cultural, but it also can be really informative, right? To say like, oh, this is what a junior A is and a junior B versus a a sub and a senior, right? As you're talking about your ages and stages, again, they don't even know from that. They don't know from ages and stages. So you're, you really have to start at the most basic level. So your messaging really matters. And like you're, the thing I like to say, and this is something that I think threads through the entire market of camp in general, the goal of your marketing, any marketing material you do should be to get people to your website. And then once people are on your website, the only purpose of your website should be to get them to engage with you, whether that is on through a live chat in your website, through calling your office, or ideally 
through some sort of in-person visit, whether that be a home visit if you're a residential camp, a site visit if you're a day camp, or somewhere in between, a camp tour, anything of that nature. That's the transaction pathway that we're talking about. So the messaging really matters because these families are looking for, above all else, like bespoke experiences. Like they want something that is tailored to them as an individual family. They don't know of the camaraderie and the community of camp yet. So they're only looking for what they can do for them. And that's not to say that they're selfish or self-serving or anything like that. It's just that they don't know yet what they're getting into. So you really have to position yourself as a partner. You're not a provider, right? You're not providing this service to them. You're partnering with them to create this awesome bespoke experience that helps them find solutions for their family, for their needs, whether it is childcare or day camp or overnight camp, whatever whatever that label that they need to fill. Um, and I think with, when it comes to marketing itself, the, the really great thing on a website to do if you're really trying to steer that traffic is to just be candid and be upfront about the fact that, hey, if you're reading this and it means nothing to you, talk to us, make yourself available. And again, I think the live chat has, in my experience, proven to be a really effective way to do that when it comes to first generation families. It kind of lowers the temperature, lowers the stakes a little bit of that interaction. Because if I'm asking you a question and I'm typing, I don't necessarily have the same... I'm not as self-conscious maybe about sounding weird or not knowing what to ask about. And, you know, partnering with parents is ultimately what we do more than anything else. I think it's, it's an under, undersold part of the, the camp ownership, certainly camp leadership lifestyle is, you know, how much we're partnering with parents. And I think shifting that mentality and steering your marketing in that direction to make it a collaborative experience is the best way to connect with these families. Because again, even the stuff that you think like, oh, this would be really helpful for them. They're still not necessarily going to even know from that. So it's really about scaling it down to the most simple way of trying to connect with them and have the conversation so that you can build that trust. I think that live chat is so smart because even in everyday life, you just want the answer, right? right? And so, yes, we have all the information on the website, but parents you know, which page do I look at? And I, I, it's always so nice to have that immediate, I want to ask you, okay, so they bring a lunch, but you provide snack or they have towels or, you know, do I really need to bring the helmet or do you have some? I, I think that that's really, really smart because like you said, it's also that anonymity because I hear that all the time. This might not be, you know, I don't know if this is like on your website or I, this might be a dumb question, but you hear that yeah. all the time. So I think that that's yeah. really a smart, smart move. I also yeah. think that what, what we defined as being personal or personable has changed, right? Yeah. You know, so many of us have grown up, well, personal means face-to-face. -face. Personal means I'm in the same space with you and we're having a conversation, but it has changed, right? Um, you know, we, we define what's impersonal a little different now as well. So I think that you need to meet people, and I think we talk about this a lot, you need to meet people where they're at. And there's no doubt that in the world of work, especially during the pandemic, when a mom or a dad or a caregiver only has five minutes because they're juggling their own work in homeschooling or where, you know, depending on where they are in North America, you know, they've got these five minutes and it's this burning question on your website that they have to ask. Like, we just all have to be prepared to respond to that. And I think... Um, I think that that is a big piece of that. Of course, you know, all of us 
kill it when we when we you know get get them on the site and we chat and we're, right. we we lend our personalities to the passions we have. But you know the fact that we can engage people through our website and other forms um, is as valuable as the other traditional stuff that sometimes we perhaps get still stuck to and not yeah. thinking about a different way. So that's one of my takeaways from this good advice from Max as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think it's another great thing to think about when it comes to kind of market strategy and, and those kinds of you know ways to position yourself is to really lean in to what you do. Like mm-hmm. to, if, you, if you are a camp, a day camp as an example, but if you're a day camp and you don't swim, but the nearest camp that does swim, I was talking with a, a camp owner in, uh, in Brooklyn, and they don't swim. They don't have a swim facility. Um, but the nearest camp to them that does, that's like a more quote-unquote traditional day camp model with the campus, is in Westchester or is in New Jersey, and it's like a 90-minute bus ride. So they say to their families, like, listen, right now we don't swim. We're going to maybe try and partner with the local community pool, but we don't know in terms of the pandemic what that looks like. But your kid's going to have 90 extra minutes to play each right. day. Yeah. And they're going to have 90 extra minutes to hang out with their friends and do things outside rather than sit on a bus for 45 minutes in each direction or something to that effect. So really own what you do and what you do well, and don't try to be something that you're not. And I think that that's, you know, one of the, th- this is like kind of one of my main things. I, I uh, Simon Sinek is someone who has, as like kind of my main takeaway from him is always some this, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And I think no place is that more relevant than with first generation families when it comes to camp. My most successful message when I was making even open house as a camp director, making open house presentations to first generation families was always to say, listen, send your kids to camp. That was the message. It wasn't my camp. It wasn't come here. It was send your kids to camp. I believe in camp. I believe in the value of camp. There are so many amazing camps out there. Whatever you do, send your kid to camp because it will benefit them for the rest of their lives. I think I happen to run a great program. I think it's awesome and really flexible and all the X, Y, Z, all the little bells and whistles. But at the end of the day, the one thing I really want is for you to send your children to camp. And the starry-eyed looks that I would get, and I feel like I just sold the farm, gave it away right there. But it's, it's that message is, that resonated. And I would get people signing up on the spot with that message. I would get people who would bring their friends and sight unseen, right? Their friends haven't met me, but just because they had the chance to, again, why I'm doing this is what matters to me, right? I'm saying camp is important. Camp is great for kids. This is what we want. This is what we need. This is what they need. And this is why I do it. Come to my camp if you want. But at the end of the day, that resonated with them on such a level that that kind of connection mattered to them. Again, it's ethos really more so than the establishment. And that is a really powerful tool to have in your back pocket. So one of the challenges that I know we're all facing in the industry is the um, the challenge of staffing our camps this summer for 2022. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this discussion has me thinking about how much of what you're talking about in getting campers can be related to getting staff who don't, who've never gone to camp but want to work at camp. And, you know, I, and I, I'm curious about, because often... There, are, there may be a lot of barriers for the, the senior in high school or the, the, the college student to come to camp, and it could be financial, but some of it might be support from their parents. And 
Kelly and I have been on a bit of a, a trip about working with Dr. G about, you know, people's feelings around, do we engage, do we partner with staff parents and boy, God, I, can't, I don't want to talk to parents, but, but I'm just curious, Max, you know, and, uh, and this could be a whole new route for your, your workshops in the, in the future, but we're, the reality is, is that I am meeting a bunch of people right now that are applicants at my camp who've never gone to camp themselves, but maybe maybe their school went on a one-day field trip to a camp and said, hey, this kind kind of cool, but they have no reference to what we do. So, you know, any immediate thoughts on this? You know, does it much change? Like, your thoughts? (laughs) I think there is. I mean, I think, honestly, this is probably its own separate podcast episode, right? Like, I think in its own way. Um, But I do, I think one one of the things you're describing is actually... I think the inverse of what most people would see, because I think the overwhelming majority of camps don't necessarily look like, you know, your camp, the overwhelming majority of camps are rec programs or rental properties or things where they're, they're taking a space over or they're in a shared space or something to that effect. And they are working almost exclusively with people who don't know from camp and are looking for quote unquote, just a job. And obviously those aren't necessarily the people we're looking to hire because we want people who are passionate about being with kids and being part of this larger community. And I think some of the things that we talk about with first generation families translate, right? I think having, you know, that, that ethos, that, that mission driven approach that can resonate with them matters more. Um, I think, you know, trying to be as candid and as open as possible when it comes to setting expectations with this new generation of staff is the most critical thing. Um, because if we're not, I, I feel like what used to happen, right, was we, we used to talk and complain about quit and stay, right? Staff would show up and they wouldn't be into it after like the third, fourth week. And then they would just kind of coast the rest of the summer and shut it down a little. Now it's they quit and they go away. Like they'll just leave. And it's been happening. You know, I've been talking to even residential camps in remote parts of the United States where they get the people on site and then they disappear. And I think that that's you know, a really, a really tricky thing and a really troubling thing because we obviously don't, losing people is, is in many ways harder to come up with. I mean, sometimes you do have addition by subtraction, um, but really trying to, again, lead with the why and make sure that the why is what drives everything that you do. Um, and I think that can capture some of these people in a little bit more of an intelligent way that also then speaks to the expectations for them and their expectations that they can have for you. I think that's important too. That was such a good question, Howie. I really like that. It's that first generation staff too, because it's a very real thing. So that was a great question. So Max, I like, I'm a note taker. So um, I want to summarize some of the things that I've written down um, for our listeners and just see if there's anything that you wanted to make sure that you said before we wrap up and end our show. So some of the notes that I took um, we're just being aware of the language that you speak w- about camp, that they ni- might not speak that camp language and understand. Um, thinking about the multiple ways that we can interact with them, um, not just having one open house, maybe multiple or live chats, an open Zoom house. Um, thinking about ethos um, and that value and um, that they may be unconsciously incompetent. So being really clear about um what you do and back to the basics and preparing for camp. And like how we said a page about first time families. And um, the last couple things I have was like leaning into what you do and lead with your why 
Mm-hmm. Um, so any other things that you feel like I missed or you really wanted to make sure we talked about before we wrap up advice for camp owners? I think that was a, a very succinct. I, w- I wish I was that succinct. I feel like I just never stopped talking. So I appreciate <laughs> someone being so concise and able to put that together for me so <laughs> so clearly. That's great. Well, you know, if the camp stops working out for me, camp report, like court reporter, maybe. I don't know. There you but, go. Um, okay, great. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad that I was uh, taking good notes on your topic. So that was wonderful. Even though we could keep talking, we probably have to wrap up here, Max. Um, sure. But before we get to our final uh, way that we always end each show with inspiration, I want to give a shout out to our second sponsor. How, how, how lucky are we to have not one, but two sponsors for our lovely show. So Camp Rain um, is our other sponsor. We can give a shout out to Camp Rain. They have been in the camp industry longer than myself, 45 plus years. Um, They've had a dedicated team working towards camp software. Uh, We have a quote from one of their happy customers, Tom Horner, owner of Catalina Island Sea Camp, um, or Catalina Island Camps, on his experience with Camp Brain. Camp Brain is a great product for camps looking for flexibility in managing their summer camp registration, staff hiring, and conference center outdoor education bookings. It's powerful and a complete tool for our programs. Um, If you are interested in finding out more about what that looks like, if you're having any issues with your registration or just have thought about Camp Rain, maybe met them at a great conference recently and want to check them out, you can go to CampRain.com or call 866-485-8885. Wonderful. Yes. Thank you to Camp Rain for being part of this show right from the beginning, which is great. Uh, We're moving on to inspiration now, a way that uh, Kelly and I love to complete each episode, an opportunity for ourselves and our guests to share something that's on their mind, something that's inspiring them. Could be a book, a quote, uh, it could be a documentary, uh, it could be a TV show that anyone is watching as well. So anything that is inspiring you these days, um, I thought I would just kick it off really quickly and then pass it off to Max and then Kelly. But for me, I'm starting to think about as I start um, putting my senior staff, my leadership team together for 2022, uh, my head is always on training. And I'm kind of toying with the idea of going no further than Adam Grant's Instagram account for daily quotes, daily thoughts on leadership and rethinking. And we, uh, Max, you need to know that Kelly and I are big fans of Adam Grant. And so um, I would encourage people to check out his Instagram because there's some really good things that could get good, thoughtful discussion going on your teams about what it means to rethink and be good leaders at camp. So that's mine today. Uh, Max, what are you, what's on your mind? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big sports fan. Um, actually, in a, in a former life, I, was, I worked in college athletics. I was a college football coach. Um, and this time of year, I like a lot because there's football happening and basketball happening. And I think it's such a, a relevant thing. Football, you know, they practice, they, they work on these same routines over the course of a week, all leading up to one game. And it's all very structured. And that's that, that level of organization is very planned out. It kind of is very reminiscent of camp. And yet at the same time, I have friends who coach basketball. I watch basketball on TV. You see with 10 seconds left, critical play in the game. We've got to have it. We've got to win it. And the coach is just sitting there drawing up the play they're about to do right there from scratch. And it always blows my mind because, again, that's also very relatable at camp. And we have these moments where we've done all this planning, but sometimes we've got we've got to throw something together with 10 seconds to go and we need to make that happen. And I just, I don't know, something about that really resonated with me. And I think we need to really try and do our best 
to balance kind of the football coach, basketball coach mentality of having this time to prepare, but then also be ready when we need to, to drop a play and do something that might be a little bit more, a little bit different, a little bit change of pace that we could use to, to better ourselves either in the off season or during the summer. Well, straight to my heart with any sports reference on this, because I take very seriously my uh, my association with coaching and stuff like that. So I love that one. That is really good. Uh, Kelly, your thoughts. What's inspiring you? So I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they had an author on. Her name was Lovey Jones, and she wrote a book called Professional Troublemaker. And just the name of it kind of sparked a little, oh, scandalous. Um, but I really like her idea is not to cause trouble, but to question and also question our fear around fear in anything that we're doing or fear of what other people will think or um, the reaction and that stopping us from, uh, you know, really either being advocates or doing things different or really just speaking into our truth. And I liked how she talked about, you know, even being a troublemaker at home, like questioning things in your own home and talking with each other and having those hard conversations. I really love that idea. So it just piqued my interest and I thought it was a great topic. So it was Professional Troublemaker by Lovey Jones. Well, I could totally see you in your youthful days, younger days, Kelly, just twinkle in your eye, trying to stir the pot. I could see that resonating with you big time. That's a really good one, too, because and, and we all need people like that in our organizations, right? Don't we? Like, I, I feel like you need that contrarian or that person who's going to say, you know, why do we do it that way? Mm-hmm. And um, we encourage people to do that. I, I know at our camp. So that's great. Thank you for this. Yeah, All I was right. a little bit too old as child, Howie. Honestly, I was really an oldest child, very like wanted to do the right thing. But I think I've passed all of that on to my youngest. So ah. he has gotten the professional <laughs> troublemaker. So yes. I might just have to read it so I can relate more to um, that one. <laughs> anyway, um, as we close out, um, we always like to make sure that our wonderful listeners can get a hold of us or our guests. So, um, Howie, do you want to start by letting our listeners know how they can get a hold of you? Absolutely. If you want to get a hold of me, you can reach me at Howie, H-O-W-I-E, at CampRobinHood.ca. All right, Max, how can listeners get a hold of you? Yeah, so email is great. Uh, it's just Max, M-A-X, dot Clayman, C-L-A-M-A-N, uh, at gmail.com. I also will be keynoting uh, the Cascadia Camp Conference uh, coming up in February, as well as being a featured speaker at the National Camp Conference uh, the Tri-State Camp Conference, the New England Camp Conference. So I'll be around uh, the circuit. Um, hopefully, we can actually do all these in-person events and and make them, you know, bring the magic back as best we can. Wonderful. And my email is Kelly with a Y at hiddenpinesranch.com. Please don't forget that you can find all of our show notes at gocamp.pro slash owners pod. You can find the resources that we mentioned, our inspiration, any notes that we have from the show. We hope you enjoyed listening to this. Thank you so much, Max, for taking time out of your day and your busy schedule preparing um, to talk about this topic with us. I really enjoyed it. Howie, I know we both always enjoy getting to know other camp people. Um, So thank you again for your time, and we hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for tuning in to the Camp Owners Podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can find our show notes at gocamp.pro slash owners pod. The Camp Owners Podcast is part of the Go Camp Pro Podcast Network. Find a podcast for camp pros of every age and stage at gocamp.pro slash podcast. Thanks for listening, friends.
Hey, camp pros. We love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, if you've gotten even one good idea from a Go Camp Pro podcast, a masterclass, from the Summer Camp Pros group on Facebook, at a conference, or wherever else, we ask that you give credit where credit is due. That way, we can encourage camp pros to keep freely sharing their brilliant ideas and make the camp industry better. Thanks very much.